Good evening and welcome to Ignite Depot. My name is Apostle Milton Jones. I want to welcome you here this night. God has called you here for such a time as this. He's called you here for such a place as this. He's called you here for such a season as this. And he wants to show it and reveal to you his kingdom, his way of doing things that will ultimately change your life forever. But each time you have to come with the with the an expectancy that today I'm going to receive a rhyme of word today. I'm going to receive my right now work today. I'm going to hear a word that if I receive that word, apply it to my life, is going to change my future, it's going to change my home, it will change my community, it will change my province, it will change my nation. Just like he did with Esther, he placed Esther in the kingdom at such a time to deliver the children of Israel. And he's placed you where he's placed you for such a time to deliver your family, to deliver your community, to deliver your province, to deliver your nation. If you have ears to hear, make a decision right now. Make a decision, say with me, I make a decision to have ears to hear. I make a decision to have eyes to see. And I make a decision to open my heart up to receive the and graft the word of God that will ultimately change my life forever. Father, thank you for it now in Jesus' name, amen. Now let's make this declaration and we're gonna jump right into the word of God today in the name of Jesus. And according to Isaiah 61 and one, it says this, it says that the spirit of the Lord God is upon me for he has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captain and open up the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, and to comfort all who mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of jewel for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And they, talking about who? Those who the spirit of the Lord is upon, they shall build the old waste, and they who, those who the spirit of the Lord is upon, shall raise up the form of desolation. And they, talking about who, they who, um, they shall repair the waste cities, the desolation of many generations. Father, we give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise. Thank you for this opportunity in your word. Father, that our preaching and teaching will not be with enticing words of man's wisdom, but let it be in demonstration of spirit and power. Holy Spirit, you're already here. Continue to move up and down each and every out touch each and every person touch each and every home each and every community each and every person as we have celebrate with you today father god we're expecting burdens to be removed and yokes to be destroyed we're expecting people to be healed set free delivered and made whole we're expecting restoration refocus refreshing right now in jesus name we pray with thanksgiving amen now make this confession with me say this with me this is my bible the Bible is God speaking to me. The Bible is the truth. It reveals what I should think. It tells me what I should believe. And it shows me, it tells me how I should walk. So the word of God will teach us how to think. It will teach us how we should believe. It will teach us how we should walk. Ultimately, the word of God is the most important thing in life. Say that with me. The word of God is the most important thing in life. Because guess what? With God, everything with God begins with the word. Everything with him starts with the word. Everything ends with 
the word. In the very beginning, he spoke the word and the word went forth and did exactly what it is that he said it was going to do. The same thing will happen with you in your life once you get connected to him. Now, as we, we're talking about, we've been talking about how life after the cross over the last few weeks, and we've been talking about how when Jesus came, Jesus came to do what? Jesus came to restore life. What kind of life did he restore? He came to restore the God kind of life. What kind of life was that? Life as it was before Adam and Eve ever fell in the garden. Life like it is on, he, he came to restore life on earth, just like it is in heaven for those who was operate according to the kingdom of God. Now, in accordance to uh, John chapter 10, verse 10, it says that the thief talking about the adversary, he comes and he only th has three things he desires to do. He comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. What are those things he's trying to to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, first of all, he wants to steal your identity because he believes if he steals your identity, then he will accomplish the second task, and that is to kill your purpose. And if he can, get, can kill your purpose, ultimately his goal is to destroy your life. You said, show me examples where that's ever happened. Well, that's what he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. He, the first thing he attacked was their identity. You will be just like God, not knowing they were already like God. Then he then he knew the only way he was going to get that authority from them is they he had to get them to violate the word of God or violate the one commandment that God gave to them, which ultimately would uh, kill their purpose. Because what was their what was the purpose? They were supposed to replenish the earth, subdue so it, and, and multiply and be fruitful. In other words, repopulate it and make multiply and make more and more people just like them but if i if he attacked their identity if he could steal their identity he could kill their purpose ultimately he destroyed their life or he cut their life short from what it is god intended them from the very beginning he tried to do the exact same thing with jesus when jesus went through the 40 days of fasting and prayer in the wilderness what was the first thing he attacked them in he attacked his identity if you truly be the son of god then make these make these uh, rocks, stones into bread. And what did Jesus do? Jesus responded according to the word. So if he couldn't get at Jesus' identity, he tried to change his purpose. Hey, if you just bow down to me one time, I'm gonna give you all these things. Now, Jesus knew if he would have fulfilled everything that God sent him in to do, he would get all those things and much, much more. But Satan always would try to get you to compromise. He will always try to get you to take a shortcut that appears like you'll get there quicker, but ultimately it's gonna cost you a lot more than you have to give. So he, he because he couldn't get Jesus to, he couldn't steal Jesus' identity. He couldn't kill his purpose. He could not destroy his life. What did Jesus end up doing? He came and accomplished everything God had for him to do. Now, what did it say in John chapter 10, verse 10? I gave you time. You should be there by now. It says the thief, talking about the adversary, comes to steal. He comes to steal your identity. He comes to kill. He wants to kill your purpose. And he want, and to destroy, he wants to destroy your life. But it says, but Jesus says, but I have come. The reason why I have come was to, you might have life and have it more abundantly. And Amplified, it says that you might have life in abundance to the full, until it overflows. In other words, he's saying that I didn't just come for you just to have life like like a mini old life, you know, just eat, sleep, and die. He says, no, I came that you might have life 
in abundance to the full till it overflows, the God kind of life, eternal life. I came to restore back to you. This is what Jesus said. I came to restore back to you the same life that same authority, the same dominion, the same power that Adam and Eve had in the garden on earth, just like it was, or just like it is in heaven. Jesus said, I came that you might have life in abundance to the full until it overflows. He says, I'm so committed to what it is that I came to do. He says in verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. He says, he says, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Jesus says, I'm so committed to what it is that I, that I'm coming to do that I'm even willing to lay down my life to guarantee that you have it. In fact, he didn't just lay his life down. He laid his life down, but after three days, he was resurrected. He took the blood that was shed on the cross, laid it on, a, put it on the mercy seat uh, uh, before the throne of God. So every time God will see you, he sees the blood of Jesus first. And when he sees the blood of Jesus first, it sees you washed. It sees you clean. It sees you redeemed. It sees you made whole. Now you got to understand, Jesus came to give you life, life according to what? life according to the kingdom of God. And we talked about uh, last week how the kingdom of God is God's governing system to meet the needs of mankind apart from the world system. So the kingdom of God is God's governing system to meet the needs of mankind apart from this world system. Now, so many people struggle with that. They might, you know, they might have come to the cross. They might have come to Jesus. They might have come and, and, and answered the altar call, or they, you know, they might have had an encounter. Somebody uh, taught them the word. They had a, they heard a podcast. They watched a message similar like this, and they heard it, man, you know, this today is the day I'm going to make Jesus master and savior of my life. So they come and they lay down their life and now they're born again. They receive Jesus. They become born again. Now their spirit is brand new, but their soul, which is their mind, their will and emotion, it, if it remains the same, even though you your spirit is born again, even though you are a child of the most high God, if you do not renew your mind, by the word of God, very few things is going to change in your life, or, and you won't really enjoy the full life that Jesus came to restore to you, because you still think the same. It's kind of like your iPhone, if you have an iPhone. Every so now and then, you get an update, and what does that update do? It allows the phone to be able to operate and do tasks that it may not have been able to do before. It's the same thing when it comes to being born again. It's the same thing when it comes to, to when you come into the kingdom of God, when you receive Jesus, your Lord and Savior, you have to get an upload. You have to get an upgrade. You have to upgrade your operation system because if you don't, even though you are brand new spirit-wise, you will still think the same, you will still respond the same, you will still walk the same, you will still make the same decisions, and you will still be limited to the same systems of this world in order to accomplish what it is that, you know, to live this life on this earth. Now, the reason why I'm telling you all this is because so many people, so many believers in the body of Christ are frustrated right now because they don't understand what if I am in Christ, I'm doing all the things I know to do. Why is it my life uh, look at any different? Now, Jesus did not come to establish a religion. Let's get let's just put that out there. First and foremost, he didn't come to establish a religion. He did not come to the Baptist. He did not come to establish the apostolics. He did not come to establish 
the Presbyterian, the Anglican, the Catholic. He came to reestablish the kingdom of God. How do you know Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verse 6 and verse 7 talks about what he did. The government should be a part of it. And he's going to establish the government with righteousness and judgment. And he's going to establish it and expand it. And there shall be no end. What government is he talking about? He's talking about the kingdom of God. He's coming to restore back to man everything that Adam and Eve lost in the garden all the way back there at the very beginning in the name of Jesus. How do you know that that's what he came to do? Well, if you really look at Jesus' ministry, he only taught one message. He preached one message for his entire three and a half years. He only preached one message. How do you know? What message was that that he preached? Well, in accordance to Matthew chapter 4, verse 12, it says this. It says, now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. Who is this John? This is John the Baptist. And what was John the Baptist's ministry? What did he do for the his entire ministry? What did John do? He preached one message. And what was his message? Repent, change your mind, change your thinking, change your actions. Why? Because the kingdom of God, our God's governing system is at hand. What you talk about for the whole three and a half years, he for the whole time he was in his ministry, John taught one message. He only taught one message, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand or repent, change your mind, change your thinking, change your actions. Why? Because the kingdom of God is at hand. So what did Jesus do? Did Jesus preach cross? Did he preach born again? What did he, what did he preach? Well, it goes on to say in Matthew chapter four, verse 17, it says that from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of god is at hand in other words repent change your mind change your thinking change your actions because god's governing system is at hand that's it able to meet the needs of mankind apart from this world's system the world if you turn over to romans chapter 12 the world has operates according to systems it has a governing system it has a financial system. It has a justice system. It has a health system. It has a family counseling system. There's, it's made up of all kinds of systems. And most of those systems go polar opposite to the way that God's kingdom operates. So that's why a lot of times when two people, one who understands the kingdom of God and one who operates according to the kingdom of darkness, can be talking about the same issue, but they have two totally different perceptions and two, and they will operate in two totally different manners in order to accomplish the same goal. Now, Romans chapter 12, verse two talks about how, this is Paul writing to the church. He's telling the believers, he says, do not be conformed or fashioned to or adjust your life or continue to live according to this world's systems. What he's focusing on, this word worlds is talking about systems or methods of doing things, but governing, but you are to govern your life. God's kingdom uh, of God is the gov God's governing system. What that word govern means is uh, dictating, controlling, or, or is regulated by laws and edicts. Like this world system has laws. It has edicts. It wants to control your life. It wants to dictate your life according to the pattern or systems of the 
world are the kingdom of darkness. But God says this, he says, but I have a governing system that will govern your life. It will dictate, it will control, it will regulate your law, life according to the laws of the kingdom. So if you receive Jesus, your personal Lord and Savior, you become a citizen of the kingdom of God, but you still continue to operate according to the laws, the dictates, and the controlling systems of this world system. Even though you have Jesus on the inside, even though you have the kingdom of God on the inside, you will still get the same results that you had before. Can you see all that? It's, it's not very hard to understand once you understand how the kingdom of God operates and that there's two systems. The whole word of God, you can sum up the Bible up in, in, in this. It's, it's, a, it's a book about, it's a constitution agreement between a king and his children, and he set up a kingdom. And his kings uh, disobeyed his laws and went outside of his kingdom way of doing things. And the whole Bible is talking about how the king then sent his best to restore the kids back in the right relationship with him. But he he still has his because his kingdom never changed. His method of doing things never changes. I hear people say a lot. God is mysterious in all of his ways. It's not mysterious to you if you understand how the kingdom of God operates. So what did Jesus come to preach? For three and a half years, he came to preach this one message, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And a lot of people say, well, he did talk about born again. Well, he talked about it one time with Nicodemus, but he wasn't talking about, uh, he wasn't pressing it. He told Nicodemus this question. Nicodemus had come and asked him in John chapter three, <laughs> Rabbi, we know you a good teacher because no man, no, we know that you are sent from God because no man can do the things that you do uh, unless God sent him. What did, how did Jesus respond? He says, except you be born again, you can't even begin to understand, perceive, or uh, get a concept of how to operate according to the kingdom. And he's, what he basically telling me, he says, in the state that you're in right now, in the state that your, your spirit is in right now, when you see things happen in the kingdom of God, it makes absolutely no sense to you because you can't understand it. You can't even begin to perceive it. He says, but when you become born again, when you be, when you are renewed in your spirit, when you have the governor, aka the Holy Spirit, come into your spirit, once you are born again, then you have the, the, the holy GPS, God's positioning system is what I call it, of the kingdom of God that shows you how to it will lead and guide you in the way that you should go according to the kingdom. It will teach you in all things how you're supposed to handle things in the earth according to the kingdom of God. It will bring back to your remembrance all the things which Christ has said unto you according to the kingdom of God. And it will show you things to come. So until you are born again and the Holy Spirit himself moves on the inside of your spirit, uh, all the rest of the stuff according to the kingdom of God makes absolutely no sense to you. In fact, it is foolishness to you in the name of Jesus. Can you see that? That's what he talked about. You must be born again. That's the only time he ever said anything to anyone outside of his disciples about why it, the importance of, of you being born again. He's telling you in order for you to understand how God's system operates, you have to be born again. But he also told him how. He didn't tell you all. You got to go do it. You got to say 120 Hail marriage. You ain't got to do all that. He said, all you have to do is believe in me. Jesus said, "All in order for you to enter into the kingdom of God, all you have to do is believe in me. All you have to do is believe the fact that God sent me. 
because he said in John chapter one, verse 12, he said, as many as those who believed in him, God gave them power or authority to, or the right to become children of God. The moment you receive Jesus, believe on Jesus, you become a child of God, but you also become a citizen of the kingdom of God. And it's, and it's just like, it's just like when you like immigrate to another country, you immigrate to another country, you might come in as a visitor. And then you got to go through a process to become a resident. But once you become a citizen of that country, you receive all the rights and privileges and benefits of that country, just like you was born there all along. All you and you and one of the processes of going through citizenship, they will teach you about uh, the laws. They will teach you about the rules and regulations of the, and rights of every citizen of that country. It's the same thing when it comes down to being it, being a believer. When you be, become a believer of the body of Christ, you come into the kingdom of God and you begin to learn about all the laws, the regulations, the principles that that in that kingdom that now you have a benefit or a right to that before you became a citizen of the kingdom, you did not have a right to them. Can y'all? I mean, did they the babasa? That's as simple as it gets. You can't even get any more simple. That's it's so practical. I mean, again, he did not come to establish a religion. He came to reestablish the kingdom of God. We talked about last week about how, you know, uh, even though you came to the cross, you received Jesus, your personal Lord and Savior, and you wonder why your life doesn't look any different. We already alluded to this in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, how it says, don't be conformed or fashion your life out of this world, but be transformed <coughs> or be changed by the renewing of your mind. In order for you to understand how to operate according to the kingdom of God, you have to renew your mind to the way, uh, way the kingdom of God operates. The only way you're going to be able to do that, you have to be intentional. You have to be intentional because what's going to happen is, is you're going to have to own purpose, understand it for every situation that you face. Man, how do I respond to that according to the kingdom of God? So what do you have to do? You have to get your constitution out, aka the Bible, which will show you how to respond to every situation and circumstance that you come up against. And you also have another agent. You have the, the vehicle of prayer. Prayer is, is basically, it, in, in the simplest form, is a communication between you, the citizen of the kingdom, and the king, uh, God and you're 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 petitioning or making a request to the king and you're and you're involving involving him into your situation because what most people don't understand is God made a covenant with man now as God made a covenant with man God created the heavens and the earth God kept the heavens he gave the earth to man but he also gave the man authority he gave the man dominion he gave the man power and the only way that God can intervene into your situation is you as a citizen of the kingdom have to petition him or for a petition or make a request for him to intervene into your situation. It's not much different than if you rent, if you own a house and you rent it out to some tenants, you rent that house out to some tenants, that house is as much yours after you rent it out to them as it was before. But now because you have a legal agreement, you can't just walk in that house anytime you get ready to. You have to get authorization from the tenants to be able to enter into that house. If you come in and into that house without getting authorization, you have violated the contract and agreement that you had with those tenants and those tenants can sue you. 
It's the same thing when God created the heavens and the earth and he gave the earth to man. He says, hey, I'm going to set up an agreement with you. I'm going to have a covenant with you. And I will only intervene into that situation, into that, into that space when you authorize me to. He has the power to, but you have to authorize him. Did y'all hear that? God has the power to, but you as a citizen of the kingdom, you have to authorize him to be able to come into your situation. Now, when you begin to transform your, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to prove what is God's good, acceptable, and perfect will of God according to the kingdom of God, according to his governance system for every situation and circumstance that you run across in your life. Now, the wisdom, the, the wisdom, God's wisdom is the principal thing. According to Proverbs chapter seven, verse, according to Proverbs chapter four, verse seven, it says this, it says, wisdom is the principal thing. That word principally means chief, most important thing, highest above all things. The wisdom of God is the most important chief highest above all things so what is he, what is the author saying therefore get wisdom so if you already know that the wisdom of god is the most important first place above all things what do you he's telling you get wisdom and when you get this wisdom also get understanding a lot of times people have knowledge and they believe because they have knowledge they have wisdom you could have knowledge about a situation and have very little understanding about that situation so you're not operating in wisdom you just have head knowledge but what he's telling you here he says man get the word of god get god's wisdom get God's word on every situation and circumstance that you come up against, he says, and then asked him for comprehensive insight. Lord, I know this is what the word says, but I need greater understanding. It's kind of like when you was in university or when you was in high school, you got information, a teacher might, or a professor might've gave you the information, but you had to go home and study it and spend some time where you had to meditate on it in order to get some understanding of it. Well, it's the same thing when it comes to the things of God. When you hear the word of God, even when you read the word of God, you have to meditate. That word meditate means to mutter or say over and over again to yourself or to think on it over and over again to yourself and ask God, God, give me comprehensive insight into this word. And as you're getting more comprehensive insight, guess what will come next? Wisdom or how uh, understanding on how to apply that word to every situation and circumstance that you're dealing with in your life. You said, but what if I don't have wisdom? Right now, I don't have wisdom. You're a, you're a, you're a member of the kingdom of God. Now, understand, everything I'm saying is being addressed to people who are in the kingdom of God. You're in the kingdom of God, but you but you are you don't have a great understanding. You know you don't have any wisdom. You have no wisdom. So what do you got to do? You got to ask. You, it couldn't be that simple. Remember, the king can only intervene into your situation when you ask or when you make a request. So what? How, how do you know I can just ask him? Well, Matthew chapter seven says this. It says, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open for you. For everyone who asks receives. Say, that's me. When I ask, I receive says and he who seeks finds says that's me when i seek i find and then to him who knocks it will be open say that's me when i knock it will be open so what do you have to do you have to ask you have to seek you have to 
knock. What is all the, what is those words? If you start with the A, the S and the K, what does it spell? Ask, all you have to do is ask. But you mean all I got to do is just ask God for wisdom and he'll give it to me? Well, let's prove it. James chapter one, verse five says this. It says, if you lack wisdom, let that man ask God who gives to all liberally or freely without reproach and he, it will be given to him. What did it say? If you ask God for wisdom, God will give you wisdom. But this is, this is your part. One, you got to ask, but two, but when you ask, you got to ask in faith. What is it? What does faith mean? Is that I have total confidence, total assurance, total reliance that when I ask God for wisdom, he's going to give it to me. He says, you can't come doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. What does doubting mean? You, you're, you're bouncing between two opinions. One minute you believe, the next minute you don't. One minute you believe, the next minute you don't. He says, when you come and you ask for this wisdom, you have to believe that you receive it. Now, we talked about this last week, how when you come to God, when you, when you says, hey, you know what? I'm going to be transformed because I'm going to begin to renew my mind. I'm going now and I'm going to ask God for wisdom. I believe that I'm going to receive it because it's the most principal chief above, above all things. So if God is saying it's the most important thing, then I need to make sure I get it. Then we talked about how you have got to be intentional. When we said this in the beginning, when you make a decision that you're going to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, you have to be intentional. It's not going to fall on you like ripe cherries off of a tree. So you have to be intentional. It means you have to put forth effort into it. Now, Proverbs chapter four, verse 20 says this. We talked about this last week. How do you go about being intentional? Well, well, first of all, you have to make a decision. I'm going to give attention to the word of God. Say that with me. I'm going to give attention to the word of God. Now, how am I going to give attention to the word of God? Or better yet, a better way to say it, you have to give priority to the word of God. The word of God has to be first, has to be priority in your life. It is it, because it's, mo it's the most important thing. I got to make sure I get this thing every single day. Well, how do I go about doing it? You have to make a decision to incline your ears to the sayings of the word. So what does it mean? You got to, I got to incline my ears. I don't let it depart from my eyes, which means you got to open up that constitution again, AKA the Bible, and you got to keep it in your eyes and you, and I'm going to make it simple for you. You read it out loud. Yeah, I know, right? You can read it out loud. Why do you read it out loud? Because there's three gates to go to your heart, your eyes, what you see, your ears, what you hear, and your mouth, what it is that you see. So when you're saying, I'm going to incline my ears to the, his word or his sayings, how are you going to do that? By You're going to, based off of what it is you're going to hear, you're not going to let it, you're going to keep it in the front of your eyes. You're going to get, you're going to get it in the midst of your heart. How are you going to do it? You're going to begin to read the word of God out loud to yourself. So it's, it's coming out of your mouth, it's going into your ears, you're keeping it before your eyes. And as you're, as you're hearing it, as you're seeing it and you're saying it, as you're hearing it, you're seeing it and you're saying it, what's happening? It's going down on, on the inside of your heart. Why is it important for it to get down on the inside of your heart? Stay with me and I'm going to share it with you. It continues to go on and says, for they, talking about the word of God, are life to those who find them 
and they still talking about the word of God is health to all their flesh. So you mean if I'm reading the word of God, if I'm hearing the word of God, if I'm keeping it before my eyes, that it will bring about life and it'll bring about health to my body, to, 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 to my everyday situation. I didn't say that. That's what the word of God says in Proverbs chapter four. When you get the, when you make a decision to, to make the word priority, when you make a decision to, to incline it, uh, your ears to the sands, when you make a decision to not keep it before your eyes and get, keep it in the midst of your heart, it will bring about life and you will also have health and healing to all your flesh. So why do you want to make sure you're keeping the word of God into your, in your heart, in the midst of your heart? Because it tells you this in Proverbs 4.23. It says, guard your heart. Guard what goes into your heart. Guard How do you guard your, what goes in your heart? You guard what you keep before your eyes. You guard what goes into your ear. You watch what comes out of your mouth. Why do you want to guard your heart? Because out of your heart come all the issues of life. For every situation and circumstance that you got going on in your life today, it is coming out from what's going on in your heart by what's, what you've allowed yourself to see, what, what you have heard, and what's coming out of your mouth. It's going to determine how you are, whether you're going to be conformed to this world's system way of doing things, or are you going to allow yourself to be governed because now, you, because you have renewed your mind, you know what is God's good, perfect, and acceptable will of God, and that's how you're going to respond. Y'all see how simple this is? When you make a decision to give the word first place, when situation circumstances comes up, because you have the word already in your heart, it's going to reveal to you how you are just supposed to respond in this situation. It says, out of your heart springs the issue of life. So what do you have to do? Again, being intentional, you have to put away from you a deceitful mouth, stuff that comes out of your mouth. You have to put, put perverse lips far from you. What is perverse lips? People speaking false truths. People uh, which take information and take what is true and turn, try to turn you into a different direction because you're guarding your heart. You got to let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids have to be right before you. In other words, you have to keep stay focused on what the word of God says. You have to be focused on how things operate according to the kingdom. You have to be in, so intentional about it that, man, I'm going to guard what's it, what I'm going to watch on TV, what I'm going to see on the Internet. I'm going to guard what words people speak to my life. I'm going to guard what music I listen to. I'm going to guard. All these, all this stuff that's going on, all this all people's political views and social views and all that, if it does not line up with the word of God, if it doesn't line up with the kingdom of God, you're not dismissing the people. What you're saying is, I'm just not going to, I'm making a decision. I'm not going to respond that way. I'm not going to act that way. And it says, then you got to ponder the path of your feet. You got to go, you got to pay attention to how you're walking in your life, the places you're going, the places you're visiting, the people that you're, that you're hanging out with. Why? Because what you're saying is, I know, if I know that there are people who, who operate in a way that I don't, uh, that I don't subscribe to, I don't, I may visit with them, but I don't spend a whole lot of time listening, watching what they watch, listening to what they're listening to, and repeating out of my mouth what it is that they say. 
what and what else I'm gonna have to do? I'm gonna let all my worries be established. How's my word gonna be? My ways gonna be established. My ways are gonna be established according to the word of God. Whatever it is the word of God says I'm supposed to do, that's how I'm going to live. That's how I'm gonna walk. That's how I'm gonna talk. That's how I'm gonna live. That's how I'm gonna handle my finances. That's how I'm gonna handle whatever situation or circumstances I come up against. I'm always gonna be led by the word of God. I'm not gonna to look to the left. I'm not gonna to look to the right. I'm gonna keep my eyes stay on the father i'm going to keep my eyes stayed in the constitution i'm going to let the governor of the holy spirit lead and guide me in the way that i should go and the reason why because he will only lead and guide me and direct me according to god's governing system everything in my life will be dictated will be controlled it will be regulated according to god's governing system now you say man that sounds like prison it's not because guess what you do the same things according to the kingdom of whatever country or nation that you live in right now. You are just so accustomed to it. You are so trained to it. It's like second nature to you. And that's the same thing you have to do according to the kingdom of God. You have to get so grounded and spend so much time renewing your mind on how the kingdom of God operates that it becomes second nature to you you do it and you don't even have to think about how to do it because it's so in grounded on the inside of you now i've got two two more points three more points and this is where we're going to stop now you ask if if that's so if it's that simple why is it that so many believers don't live that life today why does it seem like people in the church respond the exact same way as the world responds well I'm going to answer that question for you. Turn me over to Hosea chapter four, verse number six. I'm reading out an amplified version, and this is what he says. Guys, the prophet is talking to people who God are in covenant with, and this is what he says. He says to them in Hosea chapter four, verse six, he says, my people are destroyed. That word destroyed there in the Hebrew means they fail or they perish. So God is saying, my people are failing and perishing for their lack of of knowledge now most people say well, so they're failing because they're lacking out well, man that's, that's god's fault nope keep reading it says because you talk about the priestly nation have rejected it now the knowledge was made available to them but the people made a conscious decision to reject it that word in hebrew means cast away despised it or refused the knowledge so people are perishing or failing because for their lack of knowledge, not because the knowledge was not made available to them, but they actually made a decision. I'm going to despise it. I'm going to refuse it. I'm going to reject the knowledge, your knowledge. What knowledge are you talking about? I will also, and God's decision was, hey, I'll also reject you. You should no longer be priest to me, saying, seeing that you have forgotten to, and you have become oblivious to the laws or principles are statues of God's word. So he says, I made my knowledge available to you. You made a decision. Hey, I, you're, now you're being rejected. Now you are failing and you're perishing because of your lack of knowledge, not because it wasn't made available to you, but because you have made a decision. I'm rejecting it. I'm despising it. I'm going to refuse it. That's the same thing when it comes about the kingdom of God. Many times when you go in and People, you start talking to people about the kingdom of God, they hear it, the knowledge is made available to them, but they're making the decision, I don't want to receive that, I like the way my life is right now, 
I'm going to do me, you do you. So what are they actually doing? They are refusing and rejecting. So it's not a wonder why they, you begin to see fail, them fail. And in some cases, they perish. Now, it goes on to say, verse 7 says, the more they increase and multiply in prosperity and power, the more they sinned against God. So the now you say, well, see, that's it right there. The prosperity is what is what uh, caused them to uh, sin against God. No, what caused them to sin against God or to violate his, his laws, his precepts, his concepts, his kingdom of God way of doing things is because even though his knowledge was made available to them, they made a conscious decision. I don't want it. They refused it. They rejected it. And as a result, they began to fail. And they, they put more confidence and they put more trust in things than they did in the relationship or, or cultivating a relationship they had with Almighty God. And what once was a glory to them now will become shame to them. Now, what else do people do? They rebelled against God. I know, right? People actually rebelled against God. I'm not talking about people who didn't have covenant with him. I'm talking about people who had covenant relationship with God actually began to rebel against them. What, is, what does that mean? They said, you know what, God, you do me, I do me. You do you, I do me. I know that you was the one who did all these things for me in the beginning. I needed you there, but I don't need you now, God, I got this. And it happens, it's subtle that the way that it happens, but it does happen all the time. Psalms 94, five and seven says this, it says, for he is our God. This is David, right? And he said, and he says, and we are his people of his of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. When your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my works for 40 years. I was grieved with that generation. And I says, it is a people who go astray in their hearts and they do not know my ways. So what did they do? People went astray, they hardened their hearts, just like it did in Hosea chapter four, the people hardened their hearts. And when their hearts became hardened, they were no longer open and ready to receive from God. And even though his knowledge was available to them, even though everything was available to them, they made a decision. We do not want to do it your way. We're going to do it our own way. And, and the, it's, it's like this, you're either getting closer to the dark or you're getting closer to the light. There, you can't, there is no such thing as I'm just going to stand in the middle. There is no middle. You're either going towards the dark or you're going towards the light. Well, how do you know the, if you're not going towards the light, you are drifting back to the dark. There's, that's why it says you have to be intentional. One of the things that, that society is really dealing with right now here, uh, not just in, in our nation here in Canada, but also across the world is this thing called perversion. Now, a lot of, what are, I'm giving, I'm gonna share this warning with you about perversion. Now, most people, when they hear the word perversion, they automatically think about, oh, he's gonna talk about sex. I'm not talking about, it includes sex, but it's not just sex. Perversion, the word perversion in itself, according to Webster's 1828 dictionary means this. Perversion is the act of perverting, a turning from truth, or priority, a diverting from the true intent or object and change to something worse. So remember, the children of Israel, Adam and Eve, 
they had the truth and they made a decision to turn from the truth and they did they were diverted from the truth from the true intent of a situation and they was changed to something worse when you make a decision that you're going to reject God's way of doing things, when you make a decision, I'm not going to operate according to the kingdom of God. When you make a decision, I'm going to do it my way. What you're what you're doing is I'm going to I'm going I'm operating in a form of perversion because I'm going to turn from truth. I'm going to turn away from what it is God's original intent, plans, and purposes was, and I'm going to change it to something else. If you're not operating according to the kingdom of God, you have made a decision to turn away to something else. And that's turning away from his truth. That one of the things you got to be a, a, avoid is smoking, smoke and mirrors. In this society right now, on, on, on the news, on social media, on the internet, uh, you hear a lot about uh, uh, fake news, but it's, it all comes down to smoke and mirrors. What is smoke and mirrors, you may say? Smoke and mirrors are tricks used to obscure the truth. How do they do it? Through distractions, through misdirections, through partial truths. So when Satan came to Adam and Eve, he came with smoke and mirrors. He gave part of the truth. And when he gave part of the truth, he, he twisted the, the back half of it just enough to make it into a lie. Smoke and mirrors still happens today. You will hear just enough of the truth to make you think it's the truth, but the whole goal is our tricks to obscure you from the truth, and they use distractions, they use misdirections, and partial truth. Smoke and mirrors can also be used to draw people's attention away from unpleasant facts. So when you're sharing the word with somebody, when you're sharing the kingdom of God, that is to actually point, turn you away from dark towards the light but you will you if you cut on the news you will hear news or social media it will be it can, if you're not guarding your heart guarding your eyes what you see guarding your ears what you hear and watching what it is you're saying out of your mouth so easily you can be, begin to hear perverted truth and when it's perverted it will turn you away from its intent the rich diverting from the true intent of a matter and change you to something that is worse. And that's why he's spending all this time telling his men and women of God across the nation, across the world, preach the kingdom. Teach my people the kingdom of God, my way of doing things, my way of governing, my way of operation. Why? Because if they don't hear the kingdom of truth, kingdom of God's way of doing things, they will be pervert. The way that they're living will be perverted, and it will turn them away from my true intent and change change the situation into something as worse. The situation and circumstances in our nation it is prophesied in accordance with Matthew chapter twenty four. It is destined to fail, but we are the deciding factors on whether or not whether or not we are going to be a part of that failure or whether we're going to be part of the solution who what we're doing at ignite we're teaching you how to operate according to the kingdom so you could begin to operate according to the kingdom of god and and in turn turn around and teach other people we're making disciples we're making kingdom of god disciples who will be taught this word 
who will begin to implement it in their everyday life and be able to go forth into the world and do the work of the ministry, servicing people, increasing people's faith in Christ, growing people up in the body of Christ, expanding, establishing and expanding the kingdom of God in your home, in your workplace, in your community, in your neighborhood, in your government, in your nation. Glory to God. What is this title of this message? Avoid smoking mirrors. What's that? Avoid smoke and mirrors. They're designed to turn you from the truth to something else. Glory be to God. And that, I want to give you an opportunity to do what Jesus gave uh, Nicodemus an opportunity to do in John chapter three, and that is to be born again. What are we turning you from? We're turning you from the kingdom of darkness and to the kingdom of God. How easy it to become a citizen of the kingdom? It's as simple as Romans chapter 10, verses 8, 9, and 10, which says this. The word of God is near you. It's in your heart. It's in your mouth. That's the word of faith which we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. But with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with mouth confession is made unto salvation. Repeat this prayer after me. Confess it out of your mouth. Mean it from your heart. Say it with me, dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I do believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. I believe he died for me on the cross and carried my sins for me. I believe he was put in a grave. He's alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. I turn from my sins. I'm sorry, Lord. I receive your offer of forgiveness. Right now, I am born again. Now, if you, in Jesus' name, amen. And if you pray that prayer for the very first time, I want to welcome you into the kingdom, welcome you in back right relationship, welcome you back into the kingdom of God. Now, what do you do now? Now that you are a citizen of the kingdom, you got to get in the word-based church that teaches you about the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, but also teaches you about the kingdom of God and about the love of God. Because one of the, the greatest laws, the first law in the kingdom of God is, the law is, Jesus says to love others just like I love you. So you get in a word-based church. We believe Ignite is that is a church, such a church. And man, we're here every Saturday at 5 p.m. Every Saturday at 5 p.m. And we love to have you join us. As you can see, we're on the outside right now in Jesus' name. And we're we're having a great time in the word. Uh, also, so we're for the next few weeks, we're going to be on the outside just enjoying the things of God, just enjoying the nature of God. And we're taking the church outside of the four walls and doing the works of the ministry. Now, if you're too far or you work on Saturdays or you can't be here on Saturdays, hey man, catch us on YouTube, catch us on Facebook, catch us on Twitter. Or if you're in another country and you're too far away, if you can't catch us on YouTube, Twitter, or Facebook, check out our podcast at Ignite, the number two life. That's Ignite the number two life uh, audio podcast, and you'll catch this video and many other videos that go along with it. On behalf of Minister Juin and the entire Night Nation, my name is Apostle Milton. I want to thank you for joining us today, and God bless you and your family. We'll see you next time. God bless you. Bye-bye.